0: Hello everyone and welcome back to Cooler Uncut, the podcast that won't leave you in the dark. This podcast is dedicated to the fascinating and vast topic of energy. As we've seen in our previous episode, renewable technologies are in various stages of maturity and adoption. Today specifically, we are looking at engine optimization and what's being done with existing technologies to make them more reliable. So I'd like to welcome our guests to the show. We have Nicole Dirk Director of Kohler's Generator Categories for 600 Kilowatts and above, and also my co-host on this podcast, Justin Loritz, Product Manager for Large Diesel Generators in North America, and Pierre-Adrien Bell, Product Manager for Large Diesel Generators in EMEA. Welcome everyone kick us off, I'd love to start with you, Nicole. When we talk about diesel today, it's almost a bad word with so much negative connotation. Do you think there's still innovation to be done and value to be extracted from diesel?
1: Absolutely, Kayla. Uh, Right on our prior podcast, we spoke about energy resiliency and also the role that generators play as a key piece to provide that resiliency. Generators are a proven technology. We look at the history of over 100 years for Kohler, making generators and providing that backup power. With that comes reliable proven performance. We know there's low technology risk, and it also can meet some critical performance needs that we see with some other technologies don't quite fit the bill. Things like a fast start. right? We'll talk about 10-second start for a backup generator online quickly and able to take that power. We also talk about load step capability, whether it needs to take a 50% load step or sometimes even 100% load step right? be able to quickly react to load transients. And then when we look at fuel, both the ability to store fuel on site so you can have long runtime and also the fuel supply infrastructure. All of these have been developed over many, many years to make a backup generator that ideal solution to be that backbone of a resilient system. I'm excited today to have Justin and pierre Adrian with us to discuss more. So, Justin, when we talk with customers, they're not only looking to select the best product for their needs, but they're under a lot of pressure to comply with environmental regulations and corporate sustainability goals. So It can be very overwhelming. So, what do they need to consider when choosing a product?
2: Yeah, thanks, Nicole. It's a, it's a great question, uh, and this is a, a, a question we get frequently from from a lot of our customers. And, and I would say that the the absolute first uh, item that has to be reviewed and understood is the application that the the is going to be uh, placed into. You know, is it a stationary standby unit? Is an emergency uh, as an emergency unit? Is it a prime power application? You know, what what is the the end use of the of the genset? So that's 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 step number one. Next, uh, understand, you know, the regulations that are are required for that specific area. So if we're talking about North America installations uh, or areas that are regulated by the US EPA, uh, you know now it's going to be an understanding of which tier level of emissions uh, are going to to apply to the engine. So understanding that is is key. And then as we're seeing throughout the U.S., we're seeing pockets of specific air quality management districts that uh, you know include California, Virginia. We're seeing some pop up on the East Coast now. Different areas that have more stricter regulations than what we see specifically from the EPA directly. It's key to understand those local regulations and make sure that you're picking a technology that is going to meet the, the specific requirements in, in that area. Once you have that basic understanding, um, now you can choose uh, the technology that, that you're going to want to use. Um, and, and, and That's going to help uh, select the model genset that you're going to, to install into your application. Another new thing that we're starting to see now is uh, outside of the regulations, and you kind of alluded to this, is, is customers that want to be better. right? Customers that want to provide uh, the greenest solution or use better available technology. This is an application where maybe they will take, um, say, a, a Tier 2 unit in an emergency standby application and add on an additional after-treatment system to uh to be to that next best application uh, from an emissions perspective to meet their company goals and, and expectation. I, I would say that in general, those are kind of the the key basic understandings that um, that have to be made first in order to make sure that you're you're selecting and utilizing the correct requirements. But as we go across the globe, those requirements can change. So with that I, I would ask maybe Pierre Adrian to, to add your comments of, of what you guys see in the uh in the European market. So so based on these uh Regulations that we talk through and the technologies we use. This uh, again would would apl- uh, apply specifically to the the North America and EPA regulated areas of the of the world. But as we look around the globe, the emissions requirements change. And so with that, I'd like to ask Pierre Adrian to to speak to some of the applications that he sees in his markets that they support.
3: Thank you, Justin. So in UA we we have the same kind of um, requirement about emission. In UA we have a. Um... A directive named the MCP (Meritium Commission Plants) which aim to reduce uh, harmful component like NOx or PM. Um, in fact, this directive is adapted in each country. It is not too restrictive for mission critical application. In Europe, the pressure mostly comes from local bylaw uh, with local uh, emission restriction. In most of the case, our product with emission optimized can comply with this restriction. And if not, in that case, we should add an SCR, which have significant cost impact. And that's why today we are developing a low NOx emission configuration for our new product to have best-in-class NOx emission level and without having SCR.
0: Yeah, Adrien, we hear a lot about HVO, which is also known as green diesel. Is it really as promising as it sounds?
3: Yes. So for more than one year, we commit our customer to move to HVO, which is the perfect product to reduce greenhouse gas emissions and to comply with uh, our corporate sustainability goals to be net zero neutral in the future. So, yes, I think it is a really good product. It has all the advantages of reliability and performances of diesel with a low carbon footprint. HVO is a drop-in fuel. It can easily replace diesel with the same performances. HVO has also an increased shelf life in storage uh, versus fossil diesel blended with FAME. HVO also allows to reduce NOx, PM, and CW emission. And it has a better combustion in the engine thanks to the high purity of the product. And which is the, the most important at the end is that HVO can help to reduce up to 90% greenhouse gases emission without any technological
1: Thanks, Pierre-Adrian. That sounds really exciting on HBO, and I know we'll probably in the future have another podcast to do a deep dive specific into that and answer many questions that we get, confirming how promising it is. As we continue looking at emissions, I do want to set the stage a little bit and kind of provide some context, because we know this is important as we right, look at the future and new technologies and advances that we're making, right? But thinking about emissions, and specifically CO2, if we look today, we, we know the CO2 footprint impact it takes to generate fossil diesel. We also know the impact it takes to create HVO. And we can look at that and start to calculate out if we had a 1,000-kilowatt generator, and let's say we assume it runs for about 100 hours a year. It does some exercise, and then you can assume some outages in there. It's going to emit a certain amount of CO2. If we compare that to what an average mid-sized car does per year, if that 1,000-kilowatt generator is running 100 hours on fossil diesel... It's the equivalent of about 16 cars per year that are on the road. If you look at that for HVO, it gets to be less than two cars per year. So it's really exciting to see the advantages, not only just in the technology, even for fossil diesel with a generator, but looking at HVO and these renewable fuels, what they bring for us. So, Justin, right? Again, all these emission reductions that we're trying to achieve—it always seems a little too good to be true. So, what are some trade-offs that are happening to achieve that?
2: Yeah, great question, Nicole. This is this is something we look at uh, heavily in our new product development phases of uh, each of our gensets, uh, and ensure that we're doing everything to to optimize emissions uh, specifically for for each application, right? So. Uh, this, this typically starts with the, the easiest options, which is uh, for engines in cylinder technologies such as EGR or exhaust gas recirculation uh, and combustion op- optimization to to ensure that we're getting the most uh, efficient use of the engine. And for our KD series engines this is a, this is the uh, ability for us to provide an absolute low NOx emission calibration for uh, for our engines uh, without any additional after treatment and so this is uh this is a big advantage for us because it's very minimal technology there's not additional add-ons or things that that go onto the engine it doesn't drive additional cost uh, as you get into more stringent emissions requirements that's where you start to see additional equipment and this is where we start talking about uh SCR and DOC and DPF technologies and uh the additional requirement of, of uh DEF in the applications where we're we're seeing SCR usage and this drives not only additional costs and additional equipment. It also comes with regulations associated with inducements or or specific protections that the engine must have to ensure that the emissions equipment is functioning as we expect it to. And so each of those provide you know different complications and, and uh, items that uh, and customers have to deal with. Uh, as it is obviously helping you from an emissions perspective. But uh, also provide some some additional concerns that you have to work through as uh, as an end user. But what we're what we're most excited about is all of these things are there to to help improve emissions, and we see very minimal impacts from a performance perspective. We're not seeing uh, you know derates on the engine. We're not seeing uh, less transient performance or worse transient performance. Uh, you know so. Overall, uh, we're not seeing uh, major impacts to the performance of your genset, but just understanding the equipment and technologies that you're using is critical to making sure that uh, this aligns with your your maintenance cycles and things to to keep everything in uh, in great operating condition.
0: Thank you, Justin. What other major actions are you working on to reduce emissions and help customers meet their requirements? Maybe actually both you and Pierre-Adrien can answer. Let's start with you, Justin.
2: Yeah, we're continuing to evolve uh, our products uh, every year to try and continue to to make improvements from an emissions perspective. Uh, and you know, we're in the business of emergency standby power, you know, and that means that most times uh, our generators sit idle, waiting for there to be an outage. But to ensure that they're constantly ready for any outage that that could be thrown their way, uh, you know, we have uh, many maintenance intervals that that happen on our on our generators and. From an annual perspective, that is the the vast majority of the the runtime hours that these uh, that these generators see, and and so to to continue to improve uh, the, the not only the cost of ownership to our end customer, but also the emissions perspective, uh, we're looking to continue to to improve those maintenance intervals. Be it uh, providing opportunities to exercise your genset at, at lower loads, or, or maybe even extending uh, the duration between required exercise uh, operations, those are all things we're looking to do to continue to re- reduce emissions uh, as we continue to to evolve our product lines.
0: Thank you so much. And and what are you seeing, Pierre-Adrien
3: We are working to reduce emission, and we are also working to reduce the carbon footprint uh, of our product. Internally, we have an approach called DFE uh, for design for human environment. The aim of this process is to reduce um, greenhouse gases, waste, and or water pollution of our product, with, for example, uh, the mass reduction of parts, the material change, or design optimization. We are also working to reduce the carbon footprint through the study of the product lifecycle analysis, and the creation of uh, environmental product data sheet for the environmental product data sheet is a new document for, for us. And it is beginning to be requested by large customer. The, the currency of large company currently is to determine the carbon footprint of their project. And uh, the goal is to be soon able to provide them with elements for the accuracy uh, of their carbon footprint and carbon balance, and at the end, the success of their project. So um, the EPD will be um, a very good document to compare the generator with other solution and to show that um, a generator with internal combustion engine powered with HVO is really a sustainable solution.
0: Thank you so much. Just to wrap it up, Nicole, I'd like to come back to you. As you know, with this podcast, on Cut, one of our goals is really to demystify some of these complex decisions and topics. So in closing, what would you say is the main takeaway for our listeners today?
1: Yeah, Kayla, really the main point is this is a journey. Energy resilience is top of mind. And what we're seeing is this increased emphasis on achieving energy resilience in a sustainable way. So Kohler is focused on not only helping ourselves and how we become a more sustainable company, but also helping our customers become more sustainable. So as we move forward together, right, we're focused to provide a path that's proven technology for the most critical needs while meeting sustainability goals.
0: Thank you so much, Nicole, Justin, Pierre, Adrien, for all your insights around engine optimization. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Kohler Cut, the podcast that won't leave you in the dark.